Good morning and Merry Christmas Eve. It's good to have you all here. If you are visiting with us this morning, we're truly honored to have you join us uh, to celebrate the birth of Jesus with our church family. Um, If I haven't had a chance to to greet you as you've come in the door, um, if you have time, I'd love for you to hang around after the service and uh, and introduce yourself to me. I'd love to meet you. Um, Hopefully you've already been greeted and, and somebody from the church family has told you that they're glad that you're here. And so I I trust that that's happened already. We've gathered this morning to answer the question, who is the son that was given? Who was this baby that was born over 2,000 years ago to a teenage mom in the city of Bethlehem? Who was this baby that was given uh, to whom and about whom angels sing and heaven rejoices? Who is this son that was given who became a man and lived life here on earth, eventually leading him to the cross where he sacrificially laid down his life for others. Who is this son who was given? The Bible answers this question with a lot of different names for Jesus. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is our Advocate the author and the perfecter of our faith, the bread of life, the bridegroom, the cornerstone, our deliverer. He is faithful and true, the good shepherd, our great high priest, the Almighty. He is the head of the church, the holy servant, the I am. Emmanuel, the righteous judge, the king of kings, the lamb of God, the light of the world. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord of all, our Mediator, the Messiah, the Mighty One, our hope, our peace, our Redeemer, our Savior. He is the risen Lord, the Rock, the sacrifice for our sins, the Son of the Most High, the Creator, the Resurrection and the Life, the Door, the Word, the Vine, the Way, the Truth, the Life, the Victorious One. He is the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the beloved son, Jesus. Now we're going to open our Bibles to Luke chapter 2 to read about the birth of Jesus. As we continue this Advent sermon series, the son who was given for us. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 2 verse 1 if you want to follow along on the screen or grab your Bible and follow along as well. We read, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David." To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, a couple of questions come to mind as I read uh, this narrative account of the birth of Jesus. First of all, why shepherds? Like, I don't know if in our contemporary context we really understand fully what we just read about, but take shepherds out and put in ranchers or construction workers or, you know, plumbers or any vocation of, like, blue-collar workers. These were ordinary citizens, ordinary people. These weren't kings. Uh, These weren't noblemen. They weren't wealthy. They weren't highly educated. They weren't super religious, just ordinary guys wandering around the desert at night, tending to sheep, their flocks, what they did. And it's, it's to these men, these ordinary men, whom the angels come to and share this, this huge news. Now think about it. Already at this point in the Christmas narrative, Mary and Joseph are somewhat aware. They've already encountered um, an angelic moment where the angel explained to them what was going to happen. Now this is where God announces it to the world. This is where God sends angels to announce to the world the birth of his son. And he does so by sending his angels to who? Shepherds. Really? Shepherds? As I read that last line, glory to God in the highest. I think about what that means to me and what it might mean to you. And I think in my mind, I ask the question, is that just what angels do when they show up? They just, I mean, they just sing about God. They exalt God and say, glory to God in the highest. But for these shepherds, what did that mean to them? What about that phrase would get them excited, would move them to respond? Now, to understand fully, I think, what this announcement is and why this was good news to all people and why this good news would bring glory to God in the highest, I think we've got to look at the very end of that phrase, on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. What a significant phrase to announce the birth of Jesus. We hear those words, peace on earth. I think most of us probably think, um, we think about wars, we think about struggle and suffering, and we think about, you know, everything going wrong in the world, and, and this peace on earth would come and fix that, right? Now, that's part of what's being proclaimed here, that ultimately the only way peace would be brought to the earth and wars would cease and suffering would end would be through this one who is to be born. But in this proclamation, this is a very specific kind of peace that's being proclaimed. Peace on earth to who? To those with whom God is pleased. Now, when we read about the gospel in the New Testament, the gospel is is a gospel of peace. This announcement that God has come to bring peace in in two different forms to us. First of all, it's, it's a vertical peace. Okay? It, it comes to bring us peace and to fix something that's wrong in, in my relationship with God, in your relationship with God. We read about this in Romans chapter 5. 
starting in verse 6, we read about this. For while we were still weak, and at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, not righteous people, not good people, but while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. See, the Bible teaches us that my disobedience towards God when I don't obey him, that is opposition to God. Like my rebellion against God, when I stiff arm God, I'm treating God as an enemy. That's what Romans 5 just said, that Christ didn't die to save good folks, right? Christ didn't die to, to save the, the nobility or the super religious, but but people like us, people like the shepherds, right, who, who are disobedient, people who rebel, who go their own way, who think they know what's right for themselves. And the Bible says this is what, right, this is what declares that, that people like us are ungodly. That was one of the words, sinners and ultimately enemies. And so this baby born in a manger came to bring peace to reconcile that vertical relationship with God. I have no idea where you are right now with God. If you're running from God, stiff-arming God, pretending he isn't real, I have no idea where you are with God, but I'm telling you right now, God wants to fix that and bring peace to you in your relationship with him. And he wants to do it before you leave today. But that, that peace isn't just a vertical peace between God and us. Ephesians 2 tells us that Jesus came and died, and there's a second layer to that peace, that he died to fix something that was going wrong between us. Ephesians 2 describes it with the word hostility. Listen to these words. This is Ephesians 2, verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus... You and, and me, who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man, that's the image of the church, one body, in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. This son who was given, this baby born in a manger, went to the cross and died for our sins to reconcile our relationship with God, and he died to kill our hostility. That for those who have encountered his grace and his mercy, we've got no case against anyone anymore. 
right? This forgiveness that God has extended to us has so moved us and, and so changed us that I no longer am justified to be mad at you, to hold things against you, to be bitter towards you. And the son who was given not only came to reconcile and bring peace in my vertical relationship with God, but in my horizontal relationship with you. See, the gospel should impact not only my own life, my own heart, my own thoughts, my own motives, but it should also impact the way I interact with people in the church, in my own home, in my workplace, even, yes, my enemies. Jesus died to kill the hostility. But this is a very specific kind of peace. This isn't the end of wars yet. This is not the end of suffering yet. This is a very specific kind of peace that the angels announce is available to a very specific group of people. Who, who, is the one, who are the ones who would experience this peace? Peace on earth among those whom what? God was pleased. And now I've got another question. How do I become one of those people? Right? If I want to experience this peace that God desires to give through his son, how do I become one of these people with whom God is pleased? Now, there are two ways for us to earn God's pleasure, to please him. The first, perfect obedience. When you obey God perfectly, it pleases him. Did you know that? Yeah, those of you who are parents and have children, in those rare moments, once a year maybe, where our children in their own initiative, seemingly in their own motive, seemingly no strings attached, just choose to obey. Okay, it's rare. It's really rare. And if your children never do that, it's because you're doing it all wrong and you need to be a better parent like me. I'm just, just kidding. We, right, it's, it blows us away. We're like, where did this come from? We can almost hear angels singing when our children obey. Why? Because it, it brings us pleasure, doesn't it? So pleasing in that moment. Did you know that you could, you could earn God's favor by being perfectly obedient? Uh-oh. Who, who among us can do that? Like, who among us has been perfectly obedient today? Like, let alone the rest of your life. Right? On the car ride here, who among us didn't sin? It's not possible. So we're going to have to have another way, right? We're going to have to have a better way if God is going to be pleased with us and if we are going to experience the peace of Christmas. There is another way, and that's the point of Christmas. Jesus not only was born, stepping down from his throne to, to, to become like us, but he, he grew into a man, and he lived on earth perfectly, in perfect obedience to his Father. Now, most of you in the room are going, yeah, I get that, but what does that have to do with me? Here's, here's, it has everything to do with you and me. See, the gift of Christmas in Jesus is, is A, the forgiveness of our sins, but it's also B, Jesus gives to you his perfect obedience. He earns the Father's favor and pleasure, and the, and the Father looks down on Jesus and says, that's my son in whom I am well 
pleased. And the gospel says that if you will have faith in Jesus, Jesus gives you the Father's pleasure. You got two options. Perfect obedience, and probably everybody's already messed that one up. Right? I mean, we're all going to be honest here today. We're out on that one. But there's a second way. There is another way. There is a better way. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You see, that's the real gift of Christmas to us. The peace of God to reconcile your relationship with God that you could leave here today with a reconciled, perfect relationship with your heavenly father. You could leave here today with no hostility in your heart towards others. At peace with your fellow man. How do I get that? How do I become one with whom God is pleased? Here it is, by faith. This is the gospel. By faith and faith alone. Faith in what? The son of God who was given for you and for me. Now this makes Luke chapter two make more sense to me now. When I go back and I look at what the angels proclaimed when they said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? All people. Everybody can be a part of this, right? If the angels had maybe announced this to the religious leaders, we would have thought, oh, well, that makes sense, right? Because they're close to God, and that makes it, or political leaders, oh, that makes sense strategically. But the angels came and announced this good news of great joy to who? People like us, ordinary sinners like us us, like me, like you, that this would be good news of great joy for all the people. Why? For unto you and unto me is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So that that anthem that the angels were singing, that wasn't just a heavenly song or what angels do, that's our anthem. That's our song, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with whom God is well pleased. I want to lead us in a time of prayer now. I'm going to invite our our prayer partners to um, come to the front of the room, and they'll also be at the back, and I'm going to invite our worship team uh, to come back and lead us in a time of responding. And I I want to end with these two thoughts. First of all, if you're here today and you have not taken that, taken that step of faith towards God to have your relationship with him reconciled, to, to move from disobedience and rebellion into peace and this loving relationship with God, I hope, I pray, I'm gonna pray for you in just a minute, you'll make that decision today. Either where you're seated or you'll grab one of our staff members or our prayer partners and let us pray with you today. And for those of you who know Christ, I'm my hope and my prayer for us is that Christmas would be more than just a sentimental holiday, but it would be a time to experience once again, fresh and anew, this peace that we have with God, that our hearts will be stirred to worship together, to sing with the angels, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those 
with whom God is well pleased. Would you pray with me now? Father, we thank you for this message of Christmas. And God, every person in this room needs to hear it today. God, whether we showed up today to experience experience you or not, Father, you are now present. You are now here. You are now moving and speaking to our hearts. Oh God, I pray we would not leave this place without doing business with you, without coming to you, placing our faith in Jesus and him alone. I pray for the person here who's never done that, God, that they would do that right now. God, as we stand to sing, I pray you would stir our hearts that we would sing with the angels. Glory to God in the highest. We pray this in Jesus' name.